Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, Danielle Donaldson. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Heather Fawson and Kevin Kelly about group facilitation as a peer recovery specialist. Heather and Kevin are senior facilitators for Mental Health America of Virginia. Heather is a certified peer recovery specialist, a crisis intervention team instructor, a Copeland Center certified RAP facilitator, and has facilitated extensive workshops at Visions Day program for the local community services board in Culpeper. Kevin serves as a certified and registered peer recovery specialist, a Copeland Center certified RAP facilitator, a qualified mental health professional, and a crisis intervention team trainer presenter at Henrico Area Mental Health and Developmental Services located in Glen Allen. Hi, Heather and Kevin. Welcome and thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, Danielle. Great to be with you today. Hi, thanks for having us. Yay, I'm so glad you guys are here. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about your work as group facilitators. So let's get into it. Um, if Would you guys both mind sharing um, how long you've been doing this and what made you move from, from peer to peer specialist? Sure, I'll, 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 I'll do ladies, ladies first, if that's okay, Heather. Sure. Um, well, I will say that uh, we've probably been doing this, I've probably been doing this for about eight years. And what really did it for me was a crisis stabilization unit stay. And while I was there, I saw the facilitators running groups as peers and everything just really came at me in a different way and really inspired me. So the morning before I left, I actually just came down for breakfast and I could smell the coffee and the bagels had just came up and I was going for some cream cheese. I opened up the refrigerator and I knocked over a magnet and a flyer went across the floor. So I picked up the flyer and I noticed it was a training to become a peer specialist. And I just knew right then and there, this is what I'm supposed to do. So miraculously, two weeks later, I was sitting at the Kenmore Club for um, Heather Seaman's first ever peer specialist training. Wow, that's awesome. Actually, and I can really relate to that story. It sounds uh, familiar to kind of my journey. Kevin, how about you? You betcha. I am currently in my 15th year of service with uh, Henrico Area Mental Health and Developmental Services. And the way I got into the profession, so to speak, I made the move from Houston, Texas to Richmond, Virginia back in 2007. And my parents, through some friends from church, found out that their son was also receiving services from Henrico Mental Health. And my parents said, that's really interesting. We have a son that lives in Houston that will be making the move up here. So I got connected with Henrico Mental Health and got connected to a case manager. And part of the part of the goals that uh, we set for me was to go back to work. And that's really one of the big goals that I had for myself. But my biggest fear was sitting across the desk from somebody in an interview situation and them looking at my resume and saying, counting on their fingers, well, you know, gosh, Kevin, where have you been for the last seven years? So 
I found out that there was um, a person at Henrico Mental Health. At the time, they were called peer counselors. And I found out that there was an opportunity through the Virginia Department of uh, Rehabilitative Services where the Community Services Board at Henrico would basically send you to training at Piedmont Virginia Community College in Charlottesville. And the name of the program was the Virginia Human Services Training Center's Consumer Provider Training Program. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Uh, But uh, anyway, they would send you to training and all of your expenses were paid for. And I basically went to Charlottesville, Virginia for two semesters. And uh, they actually paid for my apartment. And I interned at a psychosocial rehabilitative clubhouse in Charlottesville in the spring, Uh, went back to class. And in the fall, I returned to Henrico Mental Health, did my internship there, got all of my training, and soon realized that the whole reason why I was going through this training was to be hired because I have a mental illness. (laughs) What a concept. So um, I found out, like I said, that it was a wonderful opportunity uh, to basically, you know, use my lived experience, bigger pardon, to use my lived experience to help other people, which is really, um, you know, a goal, a personal goal that I've had for myself all along. You know, that's kind of interesting. I, I, in all, okay, so um, disclosure, uh, we all work together and have known each other for many years now, but I've never heard either of your stories. So uh, as far as how you became peer specialist. So that was really interesting to me. I really um, liked learning both of those. Yeah. And, and how different um, has peer specialist training changed in the time, you know, since you know, Kevin did it. And then when Heather and I did it, so uh, I'll, I'll, I might want to pick your brain on that one day, Kevin, and and just talk about that because that alone is kind of interesting. um, You know, the, the, the process you went through. You betcha. And it's unfortunate because unfortunately the, the funding for the program dried up. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think the last year was in 2010 and I graduated uh, the program in 2008. Um, but yeah, what a wonderful opportunity. What a, what a truly wonderful opportunity. And uh, I'm very thankful, truly blessed that I had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, okay, so can getting into, I guess, the group facilitation um, topic, I... Uh, like I said, you both are, are senior uh, recovery education facilitators for Mental Health America of Virginia. And could you give uh, the audience some idea of what that looks like? What the job entails? Sure. Heather, I'll, I'll, I'll go first this time. Um, what it looks like for me is I really do um, probably about four groups at Henrico Mental Health. Um, being a recovering alcoholic, I basically lead an AA group every Friday morning at Henrico Mental Health. So that's one group that I do. Uh, I also am a certified RAP facilitator, but uh, 
amid COVID, the the agency has decided that we're not going to do any face to face rap groups uh, while we're in COVID. So that's the second group. One of the other groups that I co-facilitate, and I'm really pleased that it has kind of morphed into a peer-led support group. And the name of that group is Recovery Among Friends. And it's basically kind of a hybrid between a support group and an education group, because depending upon the needs of the group, I kind of let the group decide how it's going to play out. So there might be a week where... um, a member, two members, three members are really struggling that particular week. So for the 90-minute uh, time block that we've set aside for that particular session, it might be just a support group. Um, other people might have a good week and don't really have a whole lot of issues, don't really need a whole lot of support. So there's plenty of time to introduce an educational component. To the group. And what I mean by an educational component is just something uh, that is recovery focused that mm-hmm. a person um, can learn about. For example, uh, I just had Recovery Among Friends group last, I beg your pardon, it was, it was, was it yesterday? My week is all running together. It was, <laughs> yes, it was yesterday. And the topic of the group was stressors and, um, how those stressors affect the body. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 it made for a very educational group. So that's the third group that I do. And then the fourth group um, that I basically am the staff liaison for is a group called Art of Creative Expression. And that basically is a creative arts group where it really goes beyond a group per se, and it really is a membership group. We have $4 monthly dues. Uh, We meet the first Tuesday of every month, and the money that's collected basically goes to pay for the supplies uh, that are associated with the group. But it's really cool in that um, every member of the group makes a commitment to lead the group at least two times a year. And the activity can be anything with respect to creative arts. It can be drawing, it can be painting, it can be stained glass, it could be making a collage, uh, could be working with clay, really anything that, you know, falls within that parameter of creative arts. Um, that's really where we're going with the group. So uh, it's a good mix of uh, different groups. It keeps me really busy. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, Heather, what about you? Well, um, group facilitation really um, looks different depending on where you are, your environment. And with me at the day programs, you know, I would hold regular program meetings just to see what the members would like to talk about, what they would like to have their workshops on so that they were more engaged and wanting to learn. Um, So with the workshop, we would have, you know, just a topic to go on. 
maybe a little presentation, but most of it was engagement and getting people to actively be involved in this learning process and actually apply these things to real life situations. And um, what I liked about it is immediately afterwards, there was a avenue and a, um, just a place for people just to come to me and I could offer one-on-one -on -one peer support, which in some cases is kind of tough to do in group facilitation. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, that from workshops and then we also have webinars and trainings as you know. So with webinars, it's kind of, we're behind the screen and we're giving our presentation we might get a little feedback from the group and um and then we have a training and those are usually a half a day so we have our topics we have things that you know people are really excited to learn about they're really engaged and i'll just say i learned the most from the peers that we serve. It is just amazing, you know, what happens when we all get together and start talking. Um, but yeah, every um, type of group facilitation looks different based on what environment you're in. Yep, I agree. And, and that's a good point, because that really is the beauty of peer support, I think, in the end, is that mutuality and uh, learning from each other. Um, so this is kind of more of a... Um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but a, a tougher question maybe to answer. But um, why do you think people resonate with you as facilitators? Uh, what is it about your style or or um, personality or approach or whatever that you might think uh, resonates with people? Well, um, I would say, uh, you know, I, I, I just bring that general energy to it and it's it's completely natural I just get excited about recovery and facilitating and I think what resonates most with everyone is the fact that we can make ourselves vulnerable and we show that mutuality and they instantly connect with that and when you can have that connection you have magic yep and I just can uh tack on to what Heather just said. I think I have a true passion for recovery and people that have worked with me, uh, people, uh, peers that have received services from me, uh, have given me feedback that they've told me that, gosh, you're, you're just so excited. And I can see the, the passion that you have. Um, the other thing is just, um, uh, having a true desire to be of service to other people. Um, Every time I say that, I'm reminded of one of my favorite quotes that's from Gandhi. And I think it says something to the effect of the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Mm. Yeah, I, I love um, all of those, uh, you know, the vulnerability and uh, the the passion. Um it's being magnets, uh, you know, you draw people to people, Absolutely. draw people uh, through those things. And yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> so um, let me ask you then, because I know you've, you, you both have done some one-on-one -on -one support um, along with the group facilitation. Um, how do you feel like those differ? Um, are, do you need different skills uh, to, to perform those different types of duties? I think for me, um, 
it would require a, a different skill set than just doing peer support one-on-one, only from the standpoint that when you're doing peer support one-on-one, you're making that direct connection with just one person. Mm-hmm. And as as the group grows and say you get to a group of 10 people, it really becomes a challenge to have th- that skill set to be able to be a skilled facilitator that can sort of kind of, uh, and Heather will get a chuckle out of this, to be that guide, to be that airplane pilot that is sort of kind of directing the group and being that traffic cop that is, you know, trying to trying to, to lead the group in a certain direction and to bring out the best in the group members and, you know, those people that are genuine, genuinely uh, or generally, I guess I should say, reserved to sort of kind of challenge them to kind of step out of their comfort zone uh, and to engage. And uh, Heather's a master at doing that. I've seen her do it uh, virtually. I've seen her do it face to face. So she's she's the master at that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, that's a good. That leads me to a question then, because, like you mentioned, you know, making a connection one on one isn't always easy, but. Um, there aren't a lot of outside forces, but connecting with a group, I can imagine has got to be a lot more difficult, you know, connecting with 10 different people versus just one. So how do you guys manage that? Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because I can, um, I can think about the recovery among friends group that I just told you all about a few minutes ago. And we have a core group of about 13 peers and I'm really proud in that that group has been consistent in terms of participation. And I think it's just, again, being that coach, being that cheerleader, being off, being authentic, being real. Uh, and like Heather said, being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get as much out of that group as I hope the peers that are in the group. Heather, do you have anything to add to that? No, I agree with Heather. Um, you know, during group facilitation, sometimes, um, you know, you think it would be hard to get that one-on-one, but in my experience, it's actually been quite interesting because, um, you know, we'll be speaking and the group participants actually band together. And it's like, them talking to us and them talking to each other. So it's like peer support is just happening all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's just great to watch and to be part of that. Absolutely. And I think Heather um, stole my thought a little bit in that um, it is so cool to see a peer come to like the first of a 12 session group and over that 12 weeks to see them grow and blossom and develop in their own recovery. I mean, you can't put a price on that. I mean, that that's a big reason why I do what I do. Yeah, I, I agree. That's always, um, what do you call it? Uh, it's even empowering to you. Uh, you know, it's empowering to the peer and it's empower- empowering to the peer specialist as well. Yep, I remember um, several years ago, uh, I had a young lady that had gone through one of my rap groups 
and um, that was a 12-week program. And at the rap graduation, um, her mother pulled me aside and said, I don't know what you did, <laughs> but she is a brand new person and just thanked me profusely for the impact that that rap group had made on her. So, like I said, I mean, you, you, you can't, you can't put, uh, uh, you know, you can't put a money value on that, but that was very rewarding in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So um, what we've talked about some of the, the, the wonderful uh, empowering um, exciting parts of being a group facilitator, but, but, could you share share some of the challenges that you might have faced? Like what type of um, roadblocks maybe that someone who's new to group facilitation may not be aware of that, that you could give them some suggestions on, on what to be on the lookout for? Oh, I know some potential um, roadblocks that I have faced in the past. Um, the number one thing being funding. So if you are somewhere and wanting to hold a training, um, a lot of times I was finding, finding myself coming out of pocket and there's only so much I can do with that. Um, also, another roadblock I will have to admit would be myself. I question myself and I you know, kind of wonder, am I cut out for this? Am I doing this right? But then at the end of the group, I just look at everyone and they return. So I know I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point, though. Like there is an element of like stage fright uh, involved. And then when you, um, you know, as a peer specialist, and you've got lived experience, um, you know, part of my lived experience is some major social anxiety. So how have you uh, learn to deal with that well for me i um actually started doing uh some meditation and meditation initially was very hard for me and i think a lot of um the members that uh i work with meditation was hard for them too so uh instead i've developed a couple breathing techniques and i also use guided imagery so basically what i would do was just go to a place in my head and spend time there noticing every detail, everything I could put there. And then I would start the breathing exercises and have the group kind of get into a really relaxed state. And instead of having all these things running through their mind, I just ask for a black screen, just a blank screen. And I will put all the visuals, everything you'll hear, everything you'll taste, everything you'll touch into it. And I have had um, some really surprising responses to that. Um, some people that were never able to even sit down to meditate were coming to group. And um, there was one in particular, I remember it was um, the imagery session was taking place at my grandmother's house. And we were sitting in front of the fire and eating the apple pie. And um, we finally returned back to the room and... Um, a person said they could still taste the pie and another participant was actually sweating because she was sitting too close to the fire. So <laughs> I was just amazed. But yeah, I, I really um, developed a passion for that too. And um, I hope to continue that. That's, that's awesome. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, some of the roadblocks were actually probably the biggest roadblock 
uh, and this is all before COVID, was uh, primarily centered around logistics and how the mm-hmm. peer was going to get from, you know, their house, their apartment to the group. Um, that was always the number one roadblock or the mm-hmm. number one barrier, if you will. Um, thankfully, funding wasn't ever an issue. I guess the second big roadblock would be time. And um, I only work part-time with the agency. So it was making sure that um, I maintained a good balance between group facilitation and one-on-one peer support. Yeah, that's a good point. I I, uh, hadn't thought about all the different types of uh, duties that you have, that you have to juggle on top of, you know, it's not like you just get to breeze in and do the group exactly. and breeze out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's how do they get there and who's taking them home? Yeah. So uh, since you both have uh, many years of experience with group facilitation, how do you imagine it might change and grow over time? What, what type of um, developments do you see happening? Well, from what I've seen, um, let's just say starting out, I were I was seeing some things come out in person, you know, meetings or groups, conferences, and here we are today with webinars and trainings online, and all these support groups just popping up everywhere, Zoom meetings, all these things that can be done virtually and all of these things that are actually being prepared in advance for when we're ready to go back in person. So for the future, I just see this thing just taking off and running. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Heather. I I really see the future of group facilitation moving toward, you know, all of these different virtual platforms that are out there, whether it's WebEx, whether it's Google Duo, uh, whether it's Zoom. Um, that has really opened up, you know, speaking for myself, huge opportunities to engage peers that otherwise wouldn't engage. Um, I guess maybe a potential um, challenge or roadblock would be those few instances where a peer doesn't have a laptop and can't join the group by video or um doesn't have access to a cell phone that would enable them to just, you know, call in and participate by phone. Um, Mm -hmm. Those instances happen from time to time. They don't happen all the time. Um, But, you know, like Heather said, I really see, um, you know, group facilitation, especially really benefiting, if that's the word to use, from COVID. And it's really opened up huge opportunities to reach a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And that's a, that's a really good point. Cause I, I do think that might be one of the, you know, quote unquote benefits, I guess, of the pandemic is that um, it encouraged a lot of people to go online with things that were normally held in person. And when you had that transportation challenge for in-person meetings, um, not to say that you don't have the internet, challenge for the virtual ones, but at least it gives people choices. And, sure. and and we know in peer support, you know, choices, you know, having choices is always ideal. Sure. So, and I really see, you know, those peers that, 
for example, might agree to join a group by phone. What I have found is that um, once they join by phone, they start becoming familiar with the process. They start becoming familiar with the fellow group members, and they kind of graduate from joining the group by phone to joining the group by video. And my personal hope is that when we're able to meet face-to-face, that that's the next step is you go from joining by phone to joining by video to finally joining face-to-face. Yeah, that's good. That gives them levels and a way to... you know, progress without having to jump in all at once. There's nothing scarier than jumping into the deep end. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, for people that, for peer specialists out there, uh, or even aspiring peer specialists uh, that are intrigued by the idea of group facilitation, uh, do you guys have any advice that you would give to those just starting out? Oh, I would love to just make it short and sweet for you. Um, Be prepared, believe in yourself, and make it an experience. And that may sound like a tall order, but really it comes naturally. Okay, Kevin, how about you? I would say be a sponge. Be a sponge. Try to soak up as much as you can. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, enjoy the process. Um, and probably one big thing for me is going straight to the source if you have a question. For example, um, if you have a question about, you know, will these hours count toward my certification? Um, you know, any, anything with respect to certification, go straight to the Virginia Certification Board. Don't go to a friend that heard it from a friend who heard it from another friend, because in my personal um, opinion, there's a lot of misinformation that's floating around and Mm -hmm. people end up getting frustrated because they're, they're marching to the beat of a drum beat that someone else told them about rather than going straight to the source and getting the information uh, from the source. And, 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 and taking that a step further is learning who those resources are, you know, mm-hmm. learning that there is a website, vacertboard.org, where you can go, uh, you know, knowing about Mary McGowan and, you know, going to, uh, you know, the DBHDS website and going to her as a resource. I mean, those are the people that have the answers to the question. So go straight to the source. And, and this is kind of kind of on topic, kind of off topic, but um, I know you guys have already talked a lot about kind of the um, your your method of facilitation and how you make connections. But what about like the technical details of group facilitation? Just like you mentioned before, the logistics. Um, how can people learn more about that? funny that you should ask because we, um, I think we just completed our second MHAV group facilitation skills training. And we talk a lot about uh, in-person facilitation versus group facilitation. Uh, some of the technical real world challenges that that we face from time to time. And I mean, they can, they can run the gamut between, um, 
you know, the light bulb in the projector burning out or not having an extension cord or not having a laptop fully charged. You know, those are things that God forbid have raised their, their ugly head from time to time. They don't happen all the time, but, uh, you know, those are just some of the real world technical challenges that, uh, you know, you have to be prepared for. And it's like anything else in life. I mean, you just sort of kind of learn as you go. Well, and it's got to be um, a little unnerving the first time it happens to you. Oh, absolutely. You know, when, absolutely. Um, you know, and it, and if you, and if you're someone prone to anxiety, you know, there's, there's, I know that was my greatest fear. The first time I ever facilitated was, you know, something goes wrong and, you know, as the facilitator, I don't want to be the one spiraling out of control, you know? So, um, uh, Heather, how do you usually handle situations like that? I, I, you're the master, uh, obviously of meditation and guided imagery. So what, what's your suggestion for that? Wow. Well, I have had some experiences. Um, I just basically stop where I'm at, take a deep breath and try and figure out in my little head how many different ways I can do to fix this. Um, One example would be um, in the beginning of the training, I was doing an activity on bilateral movement and it was my first one I had done virtually. So when I had uh, shifted my screen so that I could stand up, I had completely disconnected the computer and was out of the training and could not get the computer to start back up. So (laughs) I think we nicknamed that one the bilateral bust. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. I remember that. So um, any final recommendations um, or advice or final thoughts that you would like to share with the audience? I think this is a great time uh, to get involved with peer support. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively new concept. Uh, there's so much opportunity out there. Um, and what a wonderful opportunity to, to get into a field where you are helping you help other people and you're getting paid for it. Do you guys have uh, any resources that you would like to share with the group? Well, I, I think with, I with men- the group, with the audience. <laughs> yeah. I think I mentioned one earlier uh, and that is vacertboard.org. That is the website for the Virginia Certification Board. Um, dbhds.org is another website uh, that I think is a good resource. mhav.org is another fantastic uh, resource. Go to the website, um, VPRSN, the Virginia Peer Recovery Specialist Network. Um, is another great website, another great resource that actually has a specific section uh, specifically devoted to how do you even get started mm-hmm. in this process? You know, and I did notice um, before um, training peer recovery specialists that the market for jobs, you know, since this was a new concept, there weren't many peer positions open. Um, they started, you know, gaining traction. And so I felt comfortable and um, training other peers. And then it just seemed like we couldn't find anything for a while. And it's really, really um, inspiring to see the VPRSN job board 
and to have all the recovery blast job positions come up. I don't know about you guys, but I get about six emails a day, yep. um, notifications everywhere, um, very particular in what they want and what they expect. And it looks like uh, these peers are well-trained and ready to go. You're, you're right about that. The, the, the profession is definitely growing and exploding here in Virginia, and it's very exciting to see. Um, well, I want to thank you both, uh, Heather and Kevin, for, for what you do and for joining me today. And thank you for listening to the Peer Into Recovery podcast brought to you by the Virginia Peer Recovery Specialist Network and Mental Health America of Virginia. If you like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org and please leave us a review on iTunes. Take good care of yourselves. 